So do you remember that time when you were so hard up for cash and so desperate financially? The bills were coming in and you were just getting deeper and deeper into the red. You had student loans to pay, maybe some bill that came in, the car broke down, and you turned immediately to the word of God in Philippians where it says, for he will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. And God came through for you. You celebrated. Or that time when you were disheartened and discouraged, you were feeling depressed, maybe despair pushing against you, wondering the situation in your life you wanted to just give up. And you remembered the Apostle Peter saying, God is watching over you. He is listening for your prayers. Or maybe that time when you got sick. Maybe you were injured. Maybe you got a report from the doctor that was a negative report. And fear was pressing against you. Maybe the pain was coming against you. And you reached out to the word of God and it said, Oh Lord, in the book of Psalms, Oh Lord, my healing God, I cried out to you for a miracle and you healed me. Next slide. So, is that working for you? Can you say that that has been your story? Can you say that in those situations that you turned to the word of God and that that's what happened, that it was the answer to your circumstance? I can rattle off so many promises from the word of God. You are my strength. You are my shield. I ride upon the high places. Everything I set my hands to will prosper and increase. Ask in my name and you shall receive. I could go on and on and on. But are you achieving what the scripture is actually saying? Your theology says it's true. But your experience is a different matter. Where's the disconnect? You know, here in the Western church, we tend to accept our experience over the theology. And we tend to change our theology in order to justify our experience. I want to talk about that this morning because you know what? God has so many promises for you. And they were meant for you. You in your circumstance today. They were meant for you in this moment, in this now. And if your reality doesn't line up with what those promises say, then we need to do something about that. Because the heart of God, your heavenly Father, is to see you live in that abundant place of promise. Not read about it, but to experience it. You know, when I was five years old, my mom, I grew up in, in northern British Columbia in Canada, and the town we were, grew up in was surrounded by lakes and rivers. Very, very beautiful. But it was obviously important then that my mom put us into swimming lessons to make sure that we would be safe. Now, being a good Canadian town, we had a hockey rink, but we didn't have a swimming pool. <laughs> um, but thankfully, what we also had was a small resort just 10 minutes outside of town that was built on some natural hot springs. And the resort had three pools, and uh, the town decided to rent the pools 
um, for a few months every year in order to give out swimming lessons to children. So at five years old, I went out there and was a polywog in my first set of lessons. And my mom would come out, of course, while my brothers and I had our lessons. And she would be in the water with us because they needed help. They didn't have as many instructors and so on, so the parents would be there to help. And I remember at the end of my first lesson, we had a chance to go off the diving board or to play on the slides that were there and so on. The diving board, of course, was located in the deep end. My mom was a very strong swimmer. She had been competitive in university, and so she was an excellent, excellent swimmer. And she was treading water underneath the diving board, which was just a one-meter board. And she was treading water, and she said, come on, Ingrid, come on, honey, you can do it. And I'm standing up there on this diving board, and, you know, it moves a little bit, you know. So you're like this, your legs are bent, and you're, you're five years old, and you're just kind of hovering, and you can feel it moving, and you're petrified. <laughs> At least I was. I can see my mom. She's right there in front of me, and she's treading water, and she's got her arms out, and she says, come on, darling, you can do it. I'm right here. I'll catch you. I won't let you go under. Come on, you can do it. Now, I'm looking at her, and I know she loves me. I know that my mom does what she says she's going to do. I know that she has the capacity. I know she's strong and, and that, that she can do it. But she's down there and I'm up here. And this is scary. And I'm only five. And I had to make a decision in that moment. Do I believe that you will do what you say you can do? Do I believe that you can do what you say you can do? And in that moment, I had to make the decision to step off that diving board. And guess what? She caught me. And not only did she catch me, but she swam beside me as I dog paddled my way to the side of the pool and helped me out of the... And I ran right back to that diving board. By the end of our time there, Mom had backed up so far that she could stand on the bottom of the pool, 12 feet or so away, with her arms out. Come on, Ingrid! And I ran off that diving board and launched myself out into the water knowing that she was going to get me. It took that one time to face the fear, the questioning, the wondering. And then what happened? Not only did I have a blast, not only did my mom prove herself and prove herself worthy to be trusted, but it enabled me to take greater risks, to go even further and do more. I believed her promise, but it all started with that first decision. Would she do what she said she would do? And hence, the title of my message. Who do you believe? Who do you believe? Next slide. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land with brooks streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper right out of the hills. Let's get some context here. This was the Israelite nation. They had just come out of Egypt, a place that was a desert nation. Very wealthy, yes, but it was a desert. 
they were slave labor. They had to dig canals, miles and miles of canals, in order to feed the water from the Nile in to be able to take care of their crops and feed their, water their animals and get water for themselves. I just read an article uh, about a week ago or so of archaeologists who discovered uh, in Egypt, in one of the uh, crypts, they found records that showed how, at last, all of those big blocks, those massive tons and tons of blocks for building the pyramids, where that came from, they were brought down river by boat. And it described how it was done. They didn't have those resources right there. They had to be brought in. And God is saying, I'm taking you to a place where it's right there. You walk in, it's everywhere you turn. It's right there. It's hanging off the trees. It's gushing out of the ground. This is what I'm going to give to you. A place that is flowing with milk and honey. Hundreds of years later, the prophet Nehemiah, next slide, says this about when Joshua did take them into the promised land. He said, our ancestors, the Israelites, captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took over houses full of good things with cisterns already dug, vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. And so they ate until they were full and grew fat and enjoyed themselves in all your blessings. See, God made a promise, and he said to them, this is what I have for you. I have abundance for you. I have a place where it is so rich that you can just walk right in and take it. You don't even have to build your own house. Just walk right in. The wells will already have been dug for you. Everything is there. The promise is there. You just have to step off the diving board to get it. Do you believe me? Do you believe me? Every one of us has our own promised land from God. Every one of you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Next slide. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. That's what God's plan for you is. But if you're not living in it, where does the disconnect happen? Where is it? It's never with God, I can tell you that. Your heavenly father completely and utterly dotes on you. He loves you with a passionate, consuming love. I have my daughter, Candace, and her family that live here in Colchester. And there is nothing that gives me greater joy than spending Christmas time with these guys and watching my grandsons open presents. It doesn't really matter what the gift is. It's watching them open it. I get such incredible joy from that, just like I did when she was and, and my other kids were young as well. It's the same thing with God. He has promises for you. He has a promised land that he wants you to inhabit. And guess what? His pleasure comes from seeing you get it. But you have to trust him. You have to believe that what he says is true. Can you give me the next slide? In that promised land, that scripture that I read earlier from, uh, from Joshua when it talked about the abundance and everything, God promised us a place of blessing. Psalm 34 says, those who trust the Lord will lack no good thing. 
When you put your trust in what he has said to you and the promises he has given to you, he says, there won't be anything that you lack. Jesus said it again. He said, if you seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, all this other stuff that you're wanting, the material things, it will be given to you as well. But I'm the first priority. Make knowing me your first priority. Because when you trust in the Lord, you will lack no good thing. God also promised that we would have a place that we could live. I love that part of the promise for me. I, I love the Old Testament as it is, but, but um, there's parts that are favorites in this whole book of Joshua, the end of Deuteronomy, I, I just love. And part of it is because, for those of you who know my story, um, in the last 30 years, I've moved house 23 times. Just a wee bit of uh, transience, nomadic life that I've got going. And one of the, the heartbeats that I have, that I have been on my face before God, my, my dear friend, Linda knows uh, the tears that have been shed over this, the desire to have a permanent place. And God, during this last 30-year season, has just not called me to do that. And there was a time at the beginning of our move here, we had a house that was a miracle house. Um, and Pastor Barry and Sarah understand all that went into that because we were living with them at that process. But we had a miracle house, and I thought for sure that was finally our place where we were going to put down roots and have that place to stay because this is the promise of God, that you would have a place where you could live, not temporarily. The Jews needed a place that was permanent. They were slaves. They didn't have anything of their own. They didn't own anything. They were owned by others. And God is saying, no, I have something for you that is a place of permanence, something that you can rely on, something that you can call your own. He also promised us a place where he, where he would bring forth a great harvest, land flowing with milk and honey. You'll never lack for bread, he said. That's because the grain just grows everywhere. A great harvest. Remember how Nehemiah put it, they grew fat from all of the good stuff that God gave to them. And lastly, God promised an abiding place of great victory over the enemy. The next slide shows. Just make sure we got the right one. Genesis 15, have you got that one? I think it might be before. There we go. On that day, so when God called Abraham, before Moses ever went to the promised land, God gave that land to Abram. And he said, on the day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, he said to your descendants, to Moses, to Joe, all of them, your descendants I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenazites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, Jebusites. That deserves a round of applause. <laughs> My point being, God gave them the promise and said, this is what I have for you. Abram, this land is yours. Everywhere you put your feet, it belongs to you. And then right in the next breath, he had a long, long list of obstacles that they would face. <laughs> I love that. Because our promised lands are characterized by the presence of victory, not the absence of opposition not the absence of opposition. I, don't, I know, don't know if you have this expression in sports over here, um, 
but you know, you can show up. Everyone can show up, but you need to have some skin in the game. Have you heard that one before? You use it over here? You get the idea of it though, right? You need to have some skin in the game. You can sit on the bench or you can have some skin in the game. You can actually be in there actively participating in what is happening. And that is what God is saying when he says this. He says, look, this is the promise I have for you. You can rely on me. I will make this happen, but you need to participate in this. You've got some opposition coming. And how you respond to the opposition is going to determine whether you possess the promise. Do you believe me? Am I going to catch you when you jump off the diving board? Do you believe I will do what I said I will do? How far are you willing to go? Believe it and act on it. Because when the Israelites came that first time with Moses, guess what happened? Next slide. Who was God provoked with for 40 years? Wasn't it those who turned a deaf ear and ended up corpses in the wilderness? They never got there because they never listened. They never believed. They got to the Jordan River, and they're looking across the river at the promised land. They can see it. Joshua, Caleb, they went over with the other spies, and they could see the grapevines. They brought them back. It took two men to carry one bunch of grapes. They were so massive. They could see the fertile ground. They could, everywhere they looked was richness, and it was right over there across the river. It's not like they didn't know God. They knew God. They had seen him work extravagant miracles in the wilderness. They knew who God was. They believed in God. They just didn't believe the God they believed in. And faith is the only thing that's ever going to close that gap for you. The only thing. Next slide. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. I read that from the message translation. Anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists I believe you are God. I believe there is a God. But also that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Are you going to catch me? Are you going to catch me? He is a daddy who can be trusted. Faith is not just something you have, guys. It's something that you do. It's five-year-old Ingrid jumping off that diving board. It's Peter making the decision to step out of the boat onto the sea and trust that Jesus was going to see him walk on that water. How many times do we read of Jesus saying, as you have believed, be it done to you. Your faith has. We make a choice to believe. The next slide says, I pray, this is Paul speaking, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's you. You are his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power as the mighty strength which he used when he raised Jesus from the dead. 
But I want you to notice the, the Greek word believe in this verse is what is known as, for those of you who, like myself, are English majors, it's called the present active participle. Anybody ever read those books, See, Spot, Run? You know? When you're in kid, kid, early, yeah, some of the young moms here know that. It's an act, it's in the moment. It's an immediate verb. It's a word that's happening in the moment and it never stops happening. In other words, the promise given here is applied to those who are presently, actively, and yes, continually believing God. It's not talking about believers who, who believed and got saved and it's a past tense kind of thing. It's those presents who are choosing in this moment to see what are the glorious riches of his, of his inheritance. We have been called to that. And his great power is released to those who choose to continually believe, to be actively involved in the process. I'm not going to doubt you. I'm believing in the moment right now, and I'm acting on that. Know this. God will exert his power over you if you choose to believe. If you choose to trust him and say, I believe you. I don't just believe in you but I believe you. Hear it again. Nothing on earth can compare to the strength that God is willing to inject into your life if you believe him. I know as a parent, and I'm sure every parent here can say the same thing, we get great joy when our children believe us. When we say something and we know, when we teach them things and they believe us, they hear what we're saying, it gives us great joy. And of course, Paul goes on to say that that power which he's willing to release is the same power he used when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's explosive, universe-creating kind of power. And that's what he's willing to release on your behalf if you just say, I believe you, God. I'm willing to believe you. But recognize and know, 6,000 years, not much has changed. We still have an adversary who is saying, did God really say? And there will be some of you here this morning who are hearing me teach this and who, who are hearing the scriptures being read and you're thinking about your circumstances. You're thinking about what's happened to you in the past, what your experience has been. And you're thinking, yeah, but, yeah, but, did God really say, is that what it really means? That was then, this is now, things are different. When we do that, we, we attack the very integrity of God. We call God a liar. We have the opportunity to believe who he is. My daughter Candace is sitting in the back of the room right there. Candace, wave, honey. And she hates that. She's not like her mom. <laughs> Her dad is a commercial pilot, a very, very good commercial pilot. He has tens of thousands of hours flying those big jumbo airplanes and every other kind of plane. When he walks into an airport, and if he's going to board the plane to get ready to fly a trip, all the passengers sitting there, if they turn and look at him, they say, oh, there's the pilot. And everybody, the moment somebody says, there's the pilot, what's the first thing you think? That's the guy who's going to fly my plane, right? You assume he knows how to fly because he's called a pilot, right? You can say yes, <laughs> right? If someone were to say, oh, there's the mechanic, you would not want him flying your plane, right? 
or there's the flight attendant, unless you knew they had a private license and were also a pilot or something. The fact is that by calling him the pilot, you automatically feel confident that he's able to fly the airplane. Next slide. God's name, we pronounce it Yahweh, even though there's no vowels in there. Translated as Lord means I am who I am, and it specifies immediately a presence in the now. He is accessible and near for those who call to him for help. That's his name. When you cry out to Yahweh, he's there now, in that moment, instantly present. The next one, Yahweh Jira or Jira, the Lord will provide. Do you have a need? Is there some financial situation? Is there some healing issue? Is there some relationship problem going on? Cry out to Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. That's who he is. Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. Do you have a sickness? Do you have a disease? Do you have an infirmity? Do you have an injury? That refers to both physical and spiritual healing. Cry out to him. That's who he is. Yahweh M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies and makes holy. Are you feeling guilty about something? Are you feeling unworthy? Are you feeling condemned? You don't need to. Cry out to him. He will sanctify you. He will make you holy. The next one, Yahweh Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. He's the one who leads you and guides you. Yahweh, it's actually Saboeth, but the Lord of hosts. It means he is the Lord of the hosts of heaven and of all the inhabitants of the earth expresses authority and power of God that he can do what he says he will do. And there are many, many more names of God. My point is this. He is who he says he is. He is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. You can trust him. We have the opportunity to believe God, to believe what our daddy is telling us. He's there with his arms stretched out, and he's saying, you are my children, and I love you. I have a promised land just for you. I have promises just for you. I have answers just for you. Please believe me. Hear my heart. Please believe me. Please believe me. Psalm 100, verse 3 says this. Next verse. You got that one? No, that's okay. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. Know it. He is the covenant maker. Don't just think it, but know it. Jesus is asking, have you got that one, Matthew 16? You can put that one back up. What about you? What about you, Jesus says? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, that's one of his disciples, said to him, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, Petros. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Peter believed Peter believed what Jesus said. He didn't just know who Jesus was. He believed what Jesus said. And as a result, God was willing to extend a staggering amount of power to him. He handed him the keys to the kingdom.
What happens with the keys to the kingdom? Like, the, limitless? I just had a mind. <laughs> Aladdin came to mind. Unlimited power. <laughs> it, it's, that, it's that extravagant giving from the God who wants you to experience him in your now. His promises are for now. Yes, we have an eternity waiting for us with, with, with eternal glory and a heavenly city to live in and all that. But he said in the here and now. In the here and now. We need to think with the mind of Christ and not with the mind of man. Because when you think with the mind of man, you choose your experience over theology. You choose your experience over what God has said is true. God can do what he says he can do simply because he is who he said he is. The prophet Daniel says that the God we serve is more than able. Mark says everything is possible. Luke says nothing is impossible. James, the brother of Jesus, says you don't have because you don't ask. And Matthew says the reason you don't have is because you don't believe. And we believe so little because we see so little. And because you base what you believe on what you see. Let's choose to believe in what God says. We as a church are at such a pivotal place. Because we are crying out to God. To see his goodness. To see a manifestation of his power. And we're thinking, why isn't it happening, God? When we pray, why doesn't this happen? Why are we not seeing? And at the risk of upsetting some of you, I believe it's because we actually are believing. Not that we don't want to believe, but that we don't know our daddy well enough to believe him. The Israelites saw him. They saw the waves break apart at the Red Sea and the wall of water. They watched as they walked by and the water standing as a wall and they walked through on dry land. They saw this massive funnel of fire that protected them and stood between them and the Israelite army. They saw water come gushing out of a solid rock. They saw so much, but they still weren't able to believe that they could take the promised land because they chose not to get to know who he was. Moses faced his fear and walked up that mountain. He walked up that mountain into the very presence of God. And as a result, God called him his friend. His friend. The only way that you can know your daddy is to spend time with him. Face that thing you're so afraid of. Face that thing that you say, yeah, but it just isn't working. I've prayed about it. I give up. It, I've tried. I've tried. Faith isn't without opposition. God's made you a promise. And he's a promise keeper. It's impossible for him to lie. So if he's said it, he will do it. His timing might not line up with what you want. Believe me, I am such a student of that truth. 
but he will do it. Don't let anyone say contrary. You can hear that little voice in the back of your head. Did he really say that? Just open your mouth and use the word like Jesus did. He has promised he will do it. He has said it. He will fulfill it. Gideon was a great example of that. He didn't believe anything. When that angel showed up, he said to the angel, if the Lord is with us, then where are all these wonders and miracles that our fathers told us about? We've seen these signs and wonders, but how come they're not happening now? God was able to work in his heart, and he raised up an army of 10,000 men to go and fight the Philistine army. But all those 10,000 men that he gathered weren't willing to believe that God was who he said he was and would do what he said he would do. And Gideon got down to just 500 to fight an entire army of seasoned warriors. No skin off God's nose. That was no problem for God. 550 wouldn't have mattered. They believed him. And because they believed God, those 500 men were able to see the complete rout of that Philistine army. Today I want you guys to, to go away with something just that you will say like a mantra over yourselves. I don't know if I have it on this slide. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. And I am who God says that I am. And I can do what God says that I can do. So I ask you again, who do you believe? Who do you believe? The next slide. I want us to be crying this out. Lord, I have heard of your fame. And I stand in awe of your wondrous deeds and power. So repeat them in our day. Repeat them in our time. Make them known. Make them known. Repeat them in our time. And in our day, let it be known. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you can do what you said you can do. And I want to see it now. I want to see your goodness pass by everyone in this room, God. I want to see your goodness manifested in physical bodies that need healing. In broken hearts that need restoring. I want to see your goodness. And God wants to give you the opportunity to cross the Jordan. Not to be standing here on this side looking over and saying, I see what the promises are. I see what this church is teaching. I see what the Bible is saying. I just don't know how to get over there. And God's saying, look, sweetheart, all you have to do is take a step off the diving board. I'll part the water for you. I'll catch you if you jump in. I'll let you walk on it if you want. Just believe me. Please know me. Hear my heart. Know me for who I am. I'm your daddy and I love you. I created you and the plans I have for you are so extravagant and amazing and good. Just believe me. Whatever it is that you are facing in this moment, just believe me that I can do for you what you need me to do. Could everybody stand up, please? 
There is no way that God would have put this message on my heart to speak if there were not people here who he did not want to set free. There is no way that Holy Spirit would set you up to let you down. I don't know the timing of God, but I do know the heart of God. I do know the heart of my daddy. He is good. He is good. And we're going to have an opportunity for you to come and to get prayed for. And if you're a member of the prayer team, I just want to let you know, please be ready to come and pray. But first, I want to give an opportunity. If there's anybody here and you've been listening this morning and hearing about this God that maybe you've never been introduced to or maybe you've been to church and you just have never heard God talked about in this way and you want to know him the way that we know him, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to introduce you to this God who loves you so passionately. If you want to know him the way we do, could you just, while everybody's eyes are closed, could you just slip your hand up so that I can pray for you just quickly? And I'll pray. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Okay. I'm, I'm going to pray, and I want you just to pray after me. Everybody in the room, you pray along with these people who are, are praying, okay? Father God, I thank you for your love for me and that your plans for me are so good. Today I choose to believe what you say about me that I'm loved and precious to you. Forgive me for all the stuff I've done wrong and accept me today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just want to give you an opportunity now. There are lots of people I know here this morning and you have feel like you've been going round and round and round in circles. And you've realized, you know what, God, I never really believed you. Or maybe you're in a place where you do believe God and, and like that father said to Jesus, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. There's some part of me, there's something in, in me that there's just a little tweak that I need, whatever that is. Maybe it's a healing in your body. Maybe it's a, a habit that you've got that you just can't get victory over. Maybe it's a circumstance that you need help with and wisdom with. I don't know what it is, but I'm inviting you. If you want to take God at his word and step off that diving board into the water, I want to invite you to come forward and we're going to pray for you. And we're going to believe with you. Don't be shy. Come on forward. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Could I have the prayer team come on up, please? Thank you, Lord. Thanks. Okay. Okay. We've got quite a response here. Okay. What we're going to do is, uh, for those of the prayer team, maybe everybody could just line up behind, and then I'm going to pray over everybody as well. Just move forward, some of you guys, please. Thank you. Okay. Prayer team, if you could lay hands on some, some people from, from behind. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. There's a lot of people here this morning. Thank you, Father. You are so faithful. You are so faithful. 
I'm going to pray over all of you um, as a group. And there's going to be a point where I pause and I want you to say out loud what it is that you need from God. Okay? This is between you and heaven. Okay? This is you reaching out to your daddy and saying, Daddy, I trust that you're going to catch me. I need you to step into this circumstance and make it happen. Okay? So if you can, just raise your hands. You're getting ready to receive something from your daddy. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. They are coming boldly before your throne room, boldly before you, Daddy, to say, we have a need, Father. We have a need. In the name of Jesus, we say, Daddy, we need help with this. Now tell him what it is, what it is, what it is that you need him to step into your place for. In the name of Jesus, I declare over each one of you a release of the kingdom over your circumstance. In the name of Jesus, I release kingdom over your situation. I say in the name of Jesus, receive God's solution to your circumstance. Father, I thank you for wisdom where it's needed. I thank you for healing and wholeness where it's needed. I thank you for deliverance where it's needed. In the name of Jesus, we release the word of God over everyone that is here. And we say, be free in the name of Jesus. And know your father, the promise keeper, will do what he said he would do. He can do it and he will do it. So I declare wholeness over you. I want you to say thank you. Whether you feel differently, if it was a physical thing, whether you feel differently or not, maybe you're waiting. It might be something you have to check, a circumstance, a, a relationship, whatever it is. I want you to thank him. I want you to thank him. Because the battle is the Lord's. It's not yours. The battle is the Lord's. But remember, your faith is something that is active. And he's going to release his world-shattering power on your behalf as you continue to believe, as you continue to believe. Thank you, Lord. So just keeping engaged with God right now, I just want to pray very specifically and break the power of unbelief. We've got believers standing in front of us, and I feel it's, it's a very specific word from God. I've been dealing with it myself and uh, lately, and and receive and hold on tightly to what God has spoken to you and what Ingrid has, has prayed over you but just make a choice now make a choice now I want to break the power in Jesus name of all unbelief whether hidden wherever it might be in Jesus name I break its power over this congregation over everybody here right now in Jesus name and I just say let faith arise let faith arise in your church in every person standing in front here let faith arise let there be water walking moments in Jesus name Lord let there be jumping off the dive board moments in Jesus 
Jesus' name, that they, they would move from that, that believing to actually stepping out and being sure and knowing. Lord, that there'll be steps of faith taken by all these standing here, Lord God. Lord, that what they have prayed will become their experience in Jesus' name right now. And anyone standing here in the sound of my voice, Lord God, that you would do that, Father God. You would do that, Father God, that we would make that choice knowing that those who put their trust in you will not be disappointed ever. In Jesus' name, you are stronger, you are greater. All that we've sung is true. Let faith arise, let faith arise, let faith arise in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And walk forward from this moment on in the power of Jesus' name, in faith, knowing and being certain that he will do what you've asked him to do in this moment. And we look forward to the testimonies. We look forward to the testimonies that will come forward. Share with us what God does. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.